1: Hello, Crimelanders. Thank you so much for joining me again on Crimeland. We are back with season three, episode one. We are starting it, kicking it off with a bang. I am so excited to tell you about the guest I have on today. Her name is Erin McGathy. She is just the queen of alternative comedy in Ireland. She is originally an American writer, director, comedian, funny person. She's just exceptional and an exceptional human being. So smart, so lovely. Just one of these people. When you meet her, you just want to be her best friend instantly. She is just so talented and brilliant. I am thrilled to have her on today. It's a great, great story as well. Um, just to say, I know a few people have gotten in touch with different topics. We are very much, I feel, kind of focusing on the historical true crime with more recent crime, but it's not necessarily. I don't want to say it's victimless crime because is crime ever victimless? But I think for the more recent stuff I have coming up this season, I very much kind of moved away from anything I feel is just a bit too recent and could potentially be hurtful to, you know, maybe relatives that might listen in or friends or so I have people involved. So I have kind of moved towards the victimless, more recent crime. But Hysterically speaking, it is still very much kind of true crime center because I think when there's a bit of a distance there, it's just easier to talk about these things, isn't it? Like, as I said, more recent stuff, topics like the Peru, too, etc. Again, not saying it's completely victimless, but I feel it's always easier to talk about these things when there's a bit of distance there. So, I have so many guests in the bag so many episodes recorded for this season. I'm really excited to bring them to you. I've been working really hard now over the last few weeks just to bring you the best stories and the best guests. Part of that has involved, and I have been doing this for a while, I have been paying guests to come on Crimeland because now, not, you know, not like a lot of money, but just to cover their costs, because I really think it's important that we... I guess place a value on people's time. So because I have been paying guests to come on, I've also been paying studio fees, production fees, um, platform f- fees, of course, as well. It has meant that the last season, I did end up spending a little bit of money on Crimeland. Um, so it actually ended up costing me a bit of money. And as much as I love Crimeland, I love that you love Crimeland, I have had to start a Patreon, just purely really to cover the costs, of running Crime Land. I'm not looking to make any money here. Um, I was even just, discuss- I mean, obviously it would be lovely to make money on it, but I was even discussing it now with Shane, um, the lovely Shane Dempsey of Collaborative Studios yesterday, which is the studio I used to record a lot of the podcasts. And, you know, as I said to him, really, I enjoy doing the podcast so much. For me, if I'm just really, I guess, breaking even, that is enough for me. So that's why I've started the Patreon. It is just so I guess the podcast isn't costing me money per se. So if you do want to support, we have a tip jar where you can just, you know, whack, I think it's 250 is the suggested tip if you want to throw that in for three fifty a month which I guess is really the cast of a cafe you get an extra Crimeland episode every month and you also get your Crimeland on a Tuesday rather than a Friday so I think that's a nice little perk hopefully we might be able to do a couple of small live shows as well I would absolutely love that um, but again I'm just going to base it on the response to the Patreon and take it from there but I am very very excited about this season coming as I said if you can't afford to support me on Patreon I totally understand understand there's a recession on the radio there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of bills going up for people so it will not impact your listening of Cryland, but I do just want to be I guess just kind of open about why I am starting the Patreon um that is basically why. Just just to cover my costs on it, uh as I said, you were in for such a treat with the show today. Just to say as well, the last episode in season two, I unpublished it. It was one I did with the lovely Fred. It's a grand, it's a grand episode. I'm not gonna lie, it's fine. You know, wouldn't be one of my better ones, primarily because both Fred and I had some kind of. I mean, I think so. I was on antibiotics. Fred also got sympathy illness which was very similar to mine but I am kind of convinced that it was all almost something more viral because I was sick with it for a long time and and I ended up recording an intro and when I listened back to the the episode was up for a couple of weeks but I never I just find it really hard to listen back to myself that's why I've started to pay someone to edit the podcast because I just you know I find it really hard listening back to myself I'm sure that's not a great way to introduce your podcast saying I don't know how you do this guys because I can listen to me but I listen back to it and the vibe I would say the energy was very much like kind of shipping news kind of energy like in music terms I would say the energy would be like up there it, it would be shea breathed me do you remember that song be my friend that was the energy I was bringing to the intro for the podcast. It was not on brand. So I just had to unpublish because well, it because I said, Judy, seriously, like this is like you're basically doing it like the intro sounded like I was coming to you live from my hospital bed. It was just the worst. The episode itself was grand, but like the intro, my God. So, yes, I will whack it back up. With a new intro, or maybe we don't need an intro at all. We probably don't. I'm sure you skip the intro. I I skip the intros. So do you know what? I'll whack it up minus an intro because I don't listen to the intros myself. Anyway, listen, I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. Do check out Mob Theatre as well, Erin McGathey's Theatre Company. They run alternative comedy nights every Thursday in Wigwam. And as I said, she is the queen of alternative comedy. I am actually signing up for a course with them this is not an ad they do run courses writing and improv and i wanted to do the improv class many moons ago pre-covid but obviously the arts kind of fell out of everything and i ended up not doing it but i am definitely going to do they have a screenwriting course which i've heard phenomenal things about so i'm definitely going to sign up to that but basically what i'm saying is they're just an amazing organization so if you're in dublin or if you fancy doing some classes online within you know kind of i guess the genre of writing comedy whatever do check them out she is such a great guest and i think you're really going to enjoy today's episode thank you so much for listening to crimeland and if you do want to support us on patreon you can check us out over there no hassle if you can't absolutely no issue at all and yeah without further ado here's your episode my name's Judy J, and this week i'm talking to the amazing erin mcgaffey <laughs> about the mysterious murders of the galapagos erin i don't know Ooh. if you know
0: anything about this one because i didn't actually tell you i was doing this topic no um I think you said I mean not that I did any research at all I did not but um did I I say another one doing a French person yeah 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 no but I love the Galapagos
1: I need to start (laughs) jotting down you told Erin it was about a French person okay so not quite French but still very interesting Erin I think you're gonna love it will I dive right in please do okay Thank you so much. <laughs> so the mysterious murders of the Galapagos Islands. This is like such an interesting one. I think you're going to love it. So situated in the Pacific Ocean, some 1000 kilometers from the South American continent, the Galapagos Islands are made up of 19 little islands. So these islands and the surrounding Marines Reserve have been called like a unique living museum and showcase of evolution. Located at the confluence of three ocean currents, the Galapagos are a quote, melting pot. I don't know who I'm quoting, there but I just put it in quotation marks for no reason other than just for the crack Erin of marine species so volcanic activity kind of I guess that's what formed these islands so this is before you start thinking is this like a geological podcast this is just (laughs) a bit of background Erin I promise this is where you tell me you did geology in college and I'm very embarrassed. But this is just like <laughs> a bit of a bit of context for the story. So this volcanic action and the extreme isolation of these islands led to the development of unusual animal life, such as the land iguana, the giant tortoise and many types of finch that inspired a certain Charles Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection when he went
0: off on a little visit in 1835. This <laughs> a brings- little visit just a little visit he (laughs) was on a cruise with his wife and they're like we have a stop off in the galapagos do you want to go to the to the gift gift shop
1: He's like, you know, I might stay in my cabin reading. And his wife is like, come on, (laughs) apparently they've got really big turtles. And he's like, "Okay." by the way, this is when people get in touch and tell me that a
0: turtle is different from a tortoise. But like, you can't convince me of that. I'm sorry. That's just a rumor. But Bless those people. If that if that was the biggest issue in their day was listening to a podcast and needing to take the time to send the email.
1: Back in the 1930s and the reason I'm kind of banging on about the Galapagos is I guess it's to kind of give a, a painted a picture for us so back in the 1930s the Galapagos were mostly mostly uninhabited and really just known obviously for Charles Darwin and the theory of evolution and all of that and they they definitely were not the tourist attraction that they are today so now you hear people heading up to the Galapagos and that quite clearly it was not a thing back in the 1930s so yeah. having read about these uninhabited lands for Berlin doctor Friedrich Ritter and his lover and former patient which I mean doesn't seem right but look I this was the 1930s. You meet someone somehow. Exactly you know they didn't have online so you just went to your doctor and you're like do you come here often that what kind of, kind of doctor thing.
0: was he was he a gp
1: or he was a gp so i okay. think there's something even worse
0: about getting off with your gp somehow i would have less concern with a gp versus you know kind gynecologic- <laughs> of yeah okay like gynecological doctor uh mm. dodgy but this guy so he's basically like her gp
1: They start an affair and he was really into like, he's mad for Nietzsche, which I always think is such a (laughs) red flag in a man, you know, it just feels like a massive red flag. He was mad for Nietzsche and he decided that he was kind of the proponent of this. And Dory was quite his patient and lover, was quite happy to go along with it. He was really into this idea that let's go to these islands and live like this solid, solitary life,
0: a Robinson Crusoe type life. Right. So, And really the- quick, like what made her what made her like um, a lover? What made this an affair versus like? a relationship was he in a relationship oh yes so
1: he was so so they were both married so they were kind of running off together
0: yes sorry I probably that
1: that's probably a pertinent piece of information but yeah (laughs) so they were both married and they were kind of running off together so this was somewhat Ah. illicit in the beginning and they decided to leave behind the trappings of modern life and eloped the end of the world together so the affair had kind of started because Friedrich kind of fancied himself as a bit of an intellectual which I guess if you're a doctor to some degree you probably are a bit of into, a bit of a, right. a a bit of an intellectual but he would have been big into like reading and books and you know I guess carving out this, um life where they wouldn't have to depend on anyone else and could be very self-sufficient so he would have like given her a lot of books and stuff and really gotten her on
0: board with this whole lifestyle well two things I wonder if he got it to Nietzsche just because they shared the first name and then the second thing is like oh, there's nothing like there's nothing creepier than uh I'm assuming he was older than her oh good question I don't know if he was that much older than her okay. I'm actually the, idea, up? the the whole the whole dynamic where The uh where the where the man with degrees is giving the woman a bunch of books to read to like get her up to up to snuff for his own liking. (laughs) It's always I know it's a little gross. Like, here, here's your kit. I need you to uh it was a bit of that that he
1: was very much trying to almost educate her, which really gives you the ache. They went off, they decided to leave Berlin, and in order to fully commit to this life of isolation, Friedrich actually removed all of his teeth in a bid <laughs> to
0: avoid potential dental work which I just think is a bit extreme. A little bit a little bit what was was that extreme for then? I don't I know mean, a lot about the his, history of dentistry. I feel it I would feel it be a, the same as like shaving your head before going on like a trip to Thailand for I think or
1: no Friedrich mm. I feel it, it probably would have still been quite extreme for then right um okay. but he did have a set of emergency dentures which he very rarely wore so I guess he was like look up so just dentures. was
0: like gums just pure gums just
1: gummy just gummy Aaron. like ugh, imagine oh imagine like if you were Darry you've committed to this life of eloping I've got the bag we're ready to rock and then you Rock up to the GP surgery, and there he is, gummy bear. He has removed his own teeth. I mean, it's and he did it himself. Did it himself, huh?
0: Wow, yeah.
1: You'd have a lot of questions, but obviously, at that stage, the tickets have been bought, so you'd have the questions, (laughs) but you're like, I'm committed now. And so, the pair embarked on a four week journey from Berlin to South America where they waited a month in. Guayaquil, which I'm pronouncing perfectly, just so you know, <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. But um, they then moved to uh went on and they were sailing to the island of Floriana. So when Friedrich and Dari landed on F- Floriana, the volcanic vo- volcanic island proved unforgiving and harsh and subject to droughts and blistering heat so i guess you know you hear deserted island and you kind of think something quite tropical and hospitable in a way you know very natural like this really natural forgiving habitat but floriana was not like that at all like it was it was definitely an island of extremes like it wasn't mm. even necessarily as pretty as you would expect a desert island to be, but certainly like the climate and the landscape was harsh. And Flare Floriana, so um, Dari and Friedrich, they carved out a home for themselves among these elements, and you know were reasonably well equipped to do that. But the island itself, so over the centuries, it was an interesting place for Ariana because pirates had used it as a hideout. Whalers would restock with food here. And bizarrely, there was even a post office on this island. So this was like kind of a a post box where passing ships would leave stuff and they could collect stuff. And so it was kind of a bit of a meeting point for ships, even though
0: there was nothing there. It was unusual in that way. And he was just, because of Darwin's writings, he was like, let's go. Because it still feels like an odd choice. It feels very specific. Maybe not odd, but like why they're like Tahiti or...
1: I think I think it was kind of the whole end of the world mentality mm. that it really felt like that they were going as far away as possible. Like I know what you okay. mean. You would think it's an off the grid me. thing. Exactly. It was like okay. really off the grid. And then obviously, you know, he was really into Darwin and all of that. But I think it was probably just that psychological thing of wow, it really feels like we are going to the end of the world here.
0: Mm. Okay. I'd imagine.
1: But I don't know, that's a really yeah. good question.
0: Cause usually people like go to a specific faraway place because someone has said like it's great here I but know and here- it wasn't really yeah and because <laughs> yeah.
1: Darwin it, I don't think he was really saying oh yeah this is like I mean I haven't read Darwin okay just to signpost that before anyone gets in touch but I don't <laughs> think it was really like a holiday brochure for come to Fariana and your hollybobs. like it was very much about yeah the big toys thingies you know what I mean that yeah. was kind of the focus it'd probably so be I- the
0: opposite because he because like the fact that it was so isolated was what made it so interesting anyway they they go to what they go to Floriana the- maybe he even just like looked at a map and he was like here's this place and they're from Berlin so they're like maybe every place is going to be kind of like this but with rocks and turtles
1: yeah. And I think it probably was the thing as well that they really wanted to leave Berlin behind. So again, it was probably like just the globe was out. He spun it around. Right. And was like, this seems quite far away. <laughs> this will do this'll do yeah yeah and Dari said come on gummy bear and off they went (laughs) so they were definitely seeking out like this kind of Adam and Eve Robinson Crusoe like solitude but ironically Mm. this desire for solitude attracted the interest of passing researchers who photographed the couple and subsequently sent the pictures to media in Europe Erin who became fascinated by the pair and so much so that suddenly letters Friedrich and Diary had sent their friends they were set obviously writing to their friends and families they were being published in papers as the interest in them intensified so bizarrely because they had this little weird post box which in and of itself just sounds so creepy that there's just this post box (laughs) and like and pick up the post they could still maintain contact and essentially their friends and family were then selling the letters to the media in Europe which I mean seems a bit of a invasion of pre- privacy surely y-
0: yeah yeah it would be but yeah it's, that's uh, yeah that's fascinating I wonder if like any of that motivation is like if your friend leaves her family behind and if he lives, leaves his family behind, maybe they don't feel like, not that it's cool, but like, I wonder like out of their friends, their friends would have been friends with their partners as well. Maybe I'm just like projecting too much. into. The, into
1: no, but this, it's true. But... I suppose they were a bit like, listen, um, you know, it was a bit kind of like smell you later from Doré and Friedrich. Mm. And they were like, well, you know, if you're going to say you're turning your backs on us, then maybe that would kind of affect the relationship a bit. But right, yes, yeah, so well, they... the
0: letter is personal. Or were they just like, it's crazy out here.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think in terms of what I read from the letters, it seemed anything I read was very much like, OK, about how they were getting on and how mm-hmm. they were kind of, I guess, carving a home for themselves in this really unforgiving landscape. Friedrich letters, it seemed to be, which will not surprise us at all, Erin, it was a lot about like his <laughs> philosophies and thoughts on how mankind had really kind of lost the run of themselves completely and like had mm. really kind of. I suppose that mankind was going in the wrong direction. So it was, it felt very didactic, mm. the extracts I read from Friedrich Sellers, whereas Dari was, bless her, very much concerned with like she was big into gardening. So she was trying to get the gardening off the ground. Like she seemed less concerned with the macro and more concerned with the micro. Whereas Friedrich was right. really thinking, I am, I am, I mean, essentially kind of, I am Superman. Look at me. It was. <laughs> Was of there any was there bear. any
0: indication that like he that gummy bear like wanted the letters published like he wanted a bigger
1: oh good go, yet yeah. you know what maybe there was a bit well I don't know because he probably enjoyed the attention to an extent but what he didn't like was what followed so what mm. followed was because the media were a little bit obsessed with these two for a while because they were being. I guess, kind of advertised as this modern day Adam and Eve. Because of that attention, this German family, Heinz and Margaret um, uh, were these couples, this couple's name, these couples names, I feel like that's all wrong grammatically, but you get where I'm going with it, okay? Yeah. Heinz and Margaret Whitmer. They found this story fascinating, so much so that they set out for Floriana themselves. So the couple, along with Heinz's <laughs> 12 year old son Harry, who I would imagine was less than impressed with this plan, set no out kidding. for set out for Floriana in 1932. So the Whippers were very much they're kind of described as like a salt of the earth type family. They were friendly, um, their person was really clashed with the Nietzsche based philosophy and intellectualism of Friedrich and, Mm. and Daré to an extent who was certainly considered to be friendlier than Friedrich, but also they were there because they wanted to live a really solitary life. They didn't want to deal with any other people. So the arrival of this German family was not something that Friedrich was happy with at all. Uh, He really was not just was not impressed with this because obviously they didn't own the island, but they certainly, right. certainly hadn't invited them along, which I guess it's going to be intense. Like when people just rock up and you don't know them and you're kind of after going to the ends of the world to live this isolated life. And suddenly you have these three down the road. Like, I guess not yeah. that I'm not that I'm team Friedrich. I'm not team gummy bear here, but like, I can understand <laughs> why you would be hurt.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, I could I definitely see how he specifically would be, especially if he's like, I have found this isolated place and I'm the authority on this place. <laughs> this is my zone. And then someone else comes up and is trying to like also do that, which is pro- probably like what he, like from his point of view, what he saw. But, but the irony of saying like, oh, society's going to hell in a ha- handbasket You'd think that he'd want people to go there.
1: It's, it's fun. Well, I suppose.
0: I mean, not literally that, but it's just like, what do you, what do you want from people? Like, you're selling this place.
1: I know. And he's saying, because obviously they had a lot of photographs of them as well. So the people found the photographs interesting. And I know what you mean. It's, it's kind of contradictory in a sense that he obviously was reasonably happy with the attention if he's like, you know, somewhat involved with the media and he is allowing his photograph being taken and all of that so you're kind of advertising the place so ultimately as you say what do you expect when people then come
0: yeah but I I can also see like it being my greatest nightmare just like a couple that felt like they knew you so well just showing up to your house essentially and being like now we are the whole population of this area and you have to know us
1: you can see how things are gonna go awry here Erin like yeah you, yeah exactly so while the two couples they weren't exactly buddy buddies but They did share kind of a healthy respect for one another and they gave each other plenty of space. Life on Floriana was kind of a little more strained, but it was reasonably harmonious. Like there was no, you know, there was no real conflict or issue between the two families. So the neighbors largely avoided one another, living about an hour's walk from each other's home until the arrival of Eloise Verborn de Wagner Bosquet, (laughs) a self-proclaimed (laughs) baron. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Baroness, who had come to Floriana in 1933 with two male companions, Robert Philipson and Rudolph Lorenz. Now, this Baroness was just, she sounds like, the best crack ever like this woman (laughs) was a modern woman with grandiose tales of her life back in europe she was regarded as stubborn wild confident she landed on floriana with kind of i guess a sense of entitlement and in her eyes the island was instantly hers so she Um, rocked up and her vibe was completely different to the vibe of the other islanders so straight away there was an issue because she was very much like, okay, this island is mine. I'm a baroness. People were like, how are you, baroness? She was like, it doesn't matter. I just am.
0: <laughs> like, that
1: was because then was you could horrible. just lie
0: to people. Like, anyone could show up and be like, I'm a baroness. It's like, what are you going to do? Google it? It's Who are so you going to write? Who are you going to ask? Yeah,
1: exactly. All right. What are you going to do? Write a letter and put in your post box? Is that what you're going to do? Like, there, <laughs> nobody could verify this. So she was very confident uh, in her sexuality, very open about the fact that she enjoyed, I guess you might call it like a polyamorous relationship with, with both two- of the men, her lovers both her lovers Robert and Rudolph and she was also really fond for like she just sounds like a real character she was also really fond of greeting passing ships in I guess you would say kind of revealing sheer outfits with a pistol on her hip and she convinced like (laughs) a lot of I mean she's amazing (laughs) well a pistol that's what we think And, and she would convince a lot of ships to stop so much so that actually one a captain of one ship actually shot a black and white side in film where she was like the only real character in the film like she was just a really charismatic wow. interesting person and she certainly d- drew a lot of interest from passing ships and uh, she was she was just like really Vivacious, I guess. Sure. And yeah. um, According to the documentary A Galapagos Affair, the Baroness was intent on building a hotel on the island, declaring herself Empress of Floriano. Uh, Floriano, uh, Floriano, we're suddenly Okay, hey. so Floriana, her bravado air superiority obviously annoyed her neighbors as petty conflicts started to arise really frequently. At the same time, the baroness had begun to favor Ru- Robert over Rudolph, who was said to have been mistreated and often beaten by Robert. And oh. he would then go and seek refuge with the Whitmore family, family. So he spent a lot of time with Margaret and Hines, increasingly so. And the baroness and Ruber- R- Rupert, Robert. <laughs> Robert were becoming kind of more of a duo, to, so to speak. So the baroness when she arrived I guess from the get-go was kind of causing trouble because they very much wanted to keep the island to themselves and she was like I think we should open a hotel here this is going to be great so there was just a lot of conflict happening right
0: and who oh who actually owns the island does like which is a which is a very naive question question. like it because if there's no did no one own the i like was it claimed by any government? Like a if there's really a
1: post cool question
0: okay. there's a post office, there must have been
1: I think it is owned. So Floriana yes. Oh, I sh- sorry, I should have known this. So it was owned by Ecuador.
0: So I'd imagine right. but at any rate, it was owned by someone. So it wasn't a matter of like just saying like this is mine now i claim this for eleanor right we
1: were not yeah we weren't doing like a charles haji blasket islands in the 80s like that wasn't gotcha. that wasn't the vibe so it was owned by ecuador but yeah that actually is a really good question i should i should have known that but i didn't so stop no, with your dms <laughs> stop the dms immediately don't even type it don't even send it listener i'm like
0: and- i'm veering I'm to like the annoying area of like someone on a tour that's like oh the art you said that thing about the architecture but uh, what about stop I'm (laughs) always I'm always
1: living in fear of those you know I see the people doing the city tours and I'm like I would be sweating one question and I'm like oh I don't know I'd have to google that I
0: I just my knowledge of things is so superficial oh sure me too I mean I think defensively I would just be like you're feel you're free to google it after the tour oh that's that's a bit of information
1: I remember I never did German in school and in one school I was in the principal came to me one day and said how would you feel about being a German teacher and I was like not very good and he was like well (laughs) you're a German teacher and I have one class a week where I would have to press my only job was to press play on a CD it was their listening class and then we would look at the marking scheme and we would look at the answers together and So often this one girl in the class would be like, I'm pretty sure that's pronounced, blah blah blah. And I would always like, there's like multiple people in their late twenties in this country who believe I would say, Well, you know, in Hamburg it's a different it's a different (laughs) dialect. So that's the German I have. So they fully believe that Hamburg has a different German because that's what I would tell them. I'd be like, Well, Mm. Where I study German in Hamburg. That's how they pronounce it. Like, I just lost myself in this <laughs> oh, web so of lies.
0: Well, you couldn't very well say, like, well, students, I don't speak I don't German. Speak German. <laughs> like, this is, you've had it, you're, you're experiencing a terrible education me. here. You got <laughs> yeah. me.
1: I'm, I have now—I didn't even do German in school, guys. So, <laughs> speaking, speaking of German, uh, on the 27th of March, 1934, the island of Floriana. Was I mean, it was never buzzing, but this night in particular was very quiet and very eerie. Mm. A sense of foreboding, according to the writings of Daré, had settled over Floriana. Mm. So Daré D- would write in her diaries that she heard a long-drawn scream and then complete silence, which of course wouldn't be unusual on the island, but just the scream itself was very disturbing obviously says you the baroness sure. and her lover robert it would materialize had disappeared so here's where, th- where things get super interesting so basically um they hear this scream and they're like what's going on and then the next day the baroness and robert are nowhere to be found the Vi- Wittmers and laura and rudolph who of course would have been the i guess how would you maybe
0: the discarded lover of the Ex, baroness, the ex-lover who the now ex-lover. has to live with the Whitmores because he oh. can't go home, so now he's oh. living with the neighbors.
1: Awkward. <laughs> and
0: also Harry's there,
1: oh. and it's just <laughs> Harry's there. Harry's always there. Harry's like, oh. listen, I miss my friends. Like this has been a bit yeah. of crack. I've enjoyed the iguana, but now I wouldn't mind like meeting some other teenagers. So they oh. they claim that the baroness and Robert. Had come to them that morning and decided to go to Tahiti, which oh, you weirdly mentioned, which is like, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> so he you got the script. Thank you so much, Erin. The script I sent on, no problem. on I, I forgot most of the lines, but I'm trying my best. No, you're the improv is really good. Yeah, no, you're you're doing great. <laughs> so they they had come and said, you know what, we're gonna go to Tahiti, and that they'd asked Heinz and Margaret to watch their home and belongings should they return. So they were like, listen, we're going there for a while. We mightn't come back. We might come back. We're just going to go there like open tickets. See how see how we feel. Mm. Darie, on the other hand, recalls in her diaries that the Baroness, when she went to the house, She kind of had a look through and she recalls that the Baroness's most prized possessions had tellingly been left at her house while no sighting of an approaching ship had caught her or Friedrich's attention. So in other words, they would have been Mm. hitching a ride on one of these passing ships. They don't recall seeing a ship and also her possessions were in the house. So straight away, is like, this is a little bit dodgy. Mm. There's just a lot of questions here. The Baroness and Robert were never heard from again, and her larger than life personality and charismatic presence was forever lost to the island of Floriana. Suspiciously, Rudolph became eager to go back to Germany after the disappearance and soon made haste to the island of Saint San Cristobal, where his boat disappeared en route only to be discovered months later with his remains on Marchena Island. So the weird thing about the discovery of his remains, Aaron, aside from the fact now all three of these people have been lost. Nobody knows what has happened to them. They've just disappeared. This uh, this man's body is found, but his body was found on this island and it had been mummified. Oh, so that's bizarre. Like embalmed and, stuff. and embalmed. you're talking this is this is this
0: is Frederick, right? This so. is no,
1: this, so this is the ex-lover. So the
0: ex-lover, oh, right, of course, sorry.
1: He made a hasty Robert. getaway. Yes. And yes. he then went off to this oh. other place, San, San Cristobal. So his uh, boat apparently disappeared en route. Well, it did disappear en route. Captain, the captain of the ship itself, it wasn't actually a cargo ship, it was a fishing boat. His body had also been mummified by the sun. So essentially it was a shipwreck situation, but both men on board died and his body was found as well, the captain of the ship. So Rudolph Mm. at this stage is deceased. Robert and the Baroness have disappeared apparently to Tahiti, but Dari has a lot of questions about that. But ultimately the Whitmers are not. Whitmers, I feel feel like we should pronounce the Whitmers. The Vitmers are not talking. So Mm. at this point, we kind of have a lot of question marks over what's going on, but now things get even stranger. A few months later, Dari calls to the Vitmers and asks them to come to their house because Friedrich has taken ill after eating what she keeps describing (laughs) as sour chicken.
0: Oh, no. Which
1: I feel like those two words should never go together. But anyway. No,
0: that's really gross. Okay.
1: Claiming to have eaten as much of the rotten bird as her partner, the Wittmers remarked on the strangeness of Dorry waiting until Friedrich was beyond saving before calling for help. So they were about an hour away Mm. from each other. But by the time they rock up to this house, like the Wittmers, Heinz and Margaret, who themselves are pretty questionable because, of course, they have said, you know, oh, yeah, well, we were talking to the Baroness and Robert and they were really like, we really want to go to Tahiti, But then nobody kind of so many question marks because, like, they didn't make Tahiti. Like, maybe they did. And then then we happened to
0: help our friend get away.
1: (laughs) It's just a lot of, you know, a lot of question marks. But Dari herself. Was claims anyway. Look, uh, she goes to the house. Says, "Look, he's really sick." They go to the house, and Derry retells the death of Friedrich with loving detail. How it was a really sad <laughs> event, but the Wittmers claim his dying words were to curse Dari's very existence. So mm. again, bit of you know, bit of discrepancy there in terms of the, the the demise of Friedrich. Now, there's kind of a few theories as to what might have happened on the island. So yeah what I feel that- like I know let's see you- <laughs> and now I'm gonna ask Erin what happened okay what do you th- what do you
0: think happened well I think that I mean I'm going back to like the original uh origin story of Frederick and Dare and him giving her all those books him being her doctor and him being like you know I'm not a psychologist it's 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 rude to diagnose people we don't know but also, with the distance of time, it feels more okay. <laughs> so, oh, for sure. <laughs> like, I think he was he was a horrible, abusive narcissist. Very he narcissistic. Up, goes to the island, and then she's in a horrific uh, situation alone with this horrible man, is what I'm seeing. And I'm assuming that, like, the relationship was so abusive and terrible. I think that... <laughs> um uh and again just doing this for the fun of the podcast is not like uh how i live my life just assuming uh facts about other people but um what was the name so it's um eleanor and uh who's the partner that disappeared originally oh, robert yes uh, th- the baroness and robert disappeared yeah. yeah and then the guy who was mob- mummified his name was rudolph rudolph so i think rudolph got really drunk one night with the vitmores and like he did most nights um was kind of like <laughs> cursing their existence and um just he got real wound up and they told him to go take a walk and he took a, a walk straight to their house killed them came back and because they you know cared about him were like well you got to get sharing out of here a bunk with harry yeah <laughs> yeah so he comes back and they're also like okay this guy's a murderer." now and he's they're just like you need to get out of here you need to just you have to leave we'll cover for you so they cover for him he leaves he um dies on the rocks with the ship captain in this uh in this small boat and um then coincidentally uh dare with frederick she I don't like I I think that she's she's like waiting for him to die she's like hoping for his death because she's in a miserable situation that she can't get out of and he gets really sick one night she like I think like with with the chicken whether it was on purpose or not I'm assuming not but he gets so sick that she waits till he's definitely going to be dead and then calls over to the vitmores and yeah I think she didn't kill him but like also didn't help that is my theory that's oh, my detective interesting.
1: theory so you don't think she did like
0: actively kill him but she didn't stop him dying either kind of thing have. I, yeah I also think there's not like a huge difference between those two things just personally <laughs> I know like <laughs> I know in the eyes of the law there is but um but for myself I think <laughs> like if I was to do one or the other it would be kind of a similar thing I think um, that
1: is, I think honestly, that is such, that is such an interesting take on an Aaron. Like, cause I guess, I mean, ultimately none of us really know. Like there no. are a few theories as to what it might have happened. Like one of course is that Rudolph and the Wittmers together had murdered the Baroness and Robert. But I think based on what, so the Wittmers. their motivation be exactly, really? You know, I think the way you've described it is much more believable that like Rudolph kill them and ultimately they felt a level maybe a bit protective towards him, and they just said listen you have to get out of here and coverage for yeah. him maybe Friedrich and Dari were equally involved like that could have been you know that could have been in a, a part of it as well because of course the baroness was really adamant about building this hotel which Friedrich was dead
0: against like really did not want the right. hotel happening at all we have to remember they're on this island alone and have I mean my only experience is this kind of I mean I used to work at a summer camp and it's a totally different thing obviously but anytime you get like a group of people alone without any outside influence you immediately forget kind of the rules of the outside world not that everything turns into lord of the flies but like you can easily justify things based on your own little community that is so
1: true that like it kind of does yeah actually that's so interesting because it is that kind of classic psychological experiment where you place people in this kind of really isolated location and ultimately there's a breakdown of as you say like general rules ways of being like levels of decency suddenly it all goes out the window and we
0: yeah we know we we do we do know like historically from like situations where stuff like this has actually happened is that what people tend to do is actually take care of each take care of each other versus oh, destroy I each other I didn't know
1: that I thought it was yeah. the opposite
0: no people yeah that um I, I'm, I can't I cannot remember the name of uh this country where this happened but there were a group of boys in Africa in the 70s or 80s that were shipwrecked and it was just a big group of teenage boys I want to say like 20 to 50 I don't know heard it about it, heard about it once but it's a very famous case where they were deserted for like a full year um, and when they found them they were guessing that they had you know killed each other or something horrible had happened but they had actually you know survived helped each other and stuff
1: Oh my! Th- oh, i need to but this is just fascinating erin <laughs> how did i not hear about this story I, yeah
0: i've yeah i only heard about it recently i think it's like more like obviously more famous in africa but um i so might actually work yeah. together it was like a complete opposite lord of the fly situation yes exactly wow. well it was part it was part of something it was some BBC podcast I was listening to and like it was part of a whole thing that was talking about they were actually talking about like reality television and they were talking about how like our human instinct um you know barring sociopaths and psychopaths to be kind. But, yeah so my, I mean my guess would be that like it but that said with that small group of people if the if this was like a conspiracy to get rid of the two of them I feel like that would be more likely to happen in this situation versus, um, you know, in the middle of Berlin, but also um, it feels unlikely to me that it was a conspiracy and more likely that Rudolph went off on his own
1: like uh, yeah I mean generally the most obvious explanation is the explanation like you can I mean not that I'm saying you can understand how Rudolph ended up killing them but he certainly had more motive I would imagine than like the Wittmers
0: were just you know they were kind of like a regular family as such and And then and what is there to do on the island except drink and get really mad about your ex-girlfriend and your ex like co- Partner and them like fucking you up. I mean, I mean, imagine like you're alone on an island, bunking with a twelve year old boy, and you're like, fuck it.
1: (laughs) I mean, you're gonna be. It's gonna. You are gonna get a bit obsessive about it because, as you say, like you'd be going a bit mad on this island. You know, this is not like that's gonna be the only focus for all your emotions because, essentially, the Baroness was the only reason he was there as such as well. And like the thing, you know, obviously, then another theory would be like. It is possible Darry had killed Friedrich out of spite for his treatment of her, which was notorious. Like, as you say, he was very much not to be diagnosing people post-mortem, but there is a bit of historical distance here, like that we can, I think, safely say that he was a bit of a narcissist. He mm. was he was a difficult man by all accounts. Like, he initially forbade Darry to plant fat flowers in their garden because he <laughs> felt that this would just be a vanity project. For Dari, you know that oh, it would be much yeah. better if she maybe you know grew vegetables or something that, and she's grown like, up her you know, whole
0: life, so she would feel very.
1: Just send her have a cup of sweet
0: peas. I mean, for <laughs>
1: that's like, and then when she was, and then when she was, uh, you know, she did plant the flowers, and he kind of loosened up a bit. Interestingly. The birth of, so the Wittmers had a son and a daughter then on the island and the birth of their son, their first son, Ralph, actually was kind of almost a bit of a, mo. not necessarily that they came together as an island, but apparently Friedrich kind of softened a little bit with the arrival of this like new baby on the island. And he Mm. essentially kind of, I don't want to use the term, like let Darryl have her garden but didn't necessarily kick up much of a fuss about it but then later on he apparently threw back in her face that she was pouring all her love and attention into the garden a couple of years later and was like you know that love and attention should be focused on me so again yeah, I mean, that sounds like classic us, emotional
0: abusive uh, I mean when someone's yeah when
1: someone's jealous of your garden Erin
0: that's just like
1: <laughs> it's not a good look it is not a no. good
0: look. And if we know that, if that if we know that to be true, there are numerous things that we
1: exactly don't that's know. just one example <laughs> and that was something that Margaret Fitmer, because she would later go on and write a book. She talked about that, how, in one argument, he kind of threw that back her as as you say, that is just going to be one of many things things. yeah Yeah. so he was certainly a difficult stubborn man and generally the instigator of arguments with their neighbors and thus many questioned whether Friedrich alone had perhaps been responsible for the murders of the baroness and Roberts setting into motion a passion events that would lead to his own demise but then a lot of people have the question Mm of Rudolph wanting to get off the island as quickly as possible but then some people said well maybe he felt that he would be next kind of thing because he didn't have I guess the protection of a family unit as such on the island he felt a bit more vulnerable Mm. but I think most people would suggest that perhaps because he certainly had like a lot of motivation that he did have some active part to play in the device of the Baroness and Robert but ultimately we'll never know as for the Whitmer family their stay on Floriana as outlasted their ill-fated neighbors as they continue to live and die in the Galapagos, even opening a hotel on Floriana oh. that remains open to this day,
0: Erin. <laughs> Interesting.
1: And that is the story of the mysterious murders of the Galapagos.
0: Oh wow, that's fascinating! And there's there's video footage of these people and photographs. There's and video stuff.
1: footage. There's photographs. Wow. There's a great documentary, and there is also a really good um a a really good movie called The Galapagos Affair, starring Diane Coocher. Oh, mm, so if you fancy checking that out, and there oh. will be just so you know, like that movie is not as well researched as the podcast. So there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some differences there. But like, you know, it's just sad that
0: people can't take the time and get stuff right, Erin. I know. I know. It's like, why speak on a microphone unless you know every little detail? If you're going
1: to do it, just do
0: it. Okay.
1: Erin, you have been such a joy. It's just been such a pleasure to have you on. If we're looking for you, where can we find you?
0: Well, um, I'm a, a co-founder of Mob Theatre Dublin, which is um, uh, Ireland. Well, well, please edit out my laughing and weird stutteriness, but um, it is it is uh, alternative comedy theatre in Dublin. Um, I was about to say it's the first alternative comedy theatre in Ireland, which I believe to be true. But I, I get annoyed it when people it has to yeah, be. Yeah. So we do improv and sketch and all those things. We have shows every Thursday. We also teach improv classes and uh, writing classes. And that's mobtheatre.ie. And then I'm at Erin McGathy on everything. So, you
1: were so brilliant. And as I said to you at the top, I w- I'm going to do very gushy intro for you.
0: Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm fascinated by the story. I am going to get off and immediately uh, uh, get off. I'm going to immediately Start get Googling off to the fact- bear. I Yeah, yeah, because he sounded so hot and I just need I know,
1: to. I know. He was a bit of a looker, bless him. Erin, uh, thank you so much. And it's just been such a pleasure. Thanks, Dominion. Yeah, thank you.
0: We'll see you.
1: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com upgrade.
0: Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.